0: Well, we're in a series called, um, we're in a series called God Stories, and I'm really enjoying the series a lot. Thank you all for sending your stories. I need more, though. If you go on our website, there's a, up on the right-hand side, very obscure, the team wanted to hide it from you, so they made it, so there's three little lines up on the right side, and if you go click them, a menu drops down, and it says, Your Story Matters. So, uh, tell me your stories. So, um... To, yeah, last Sunday we talked about uh, suffering. Uh, we talked about how to how to multiply the divine coincidences—those things that happen, but they don't just—they didn't just happen. You know it; it didn't just happen because they don't happen again. Maybe for the rest of your life, that same thing doesn't happen. And we talked about that: how Christians always want to want to make formulas out of anything that happens. If, if they if I read in the Bible that Moses raised his rod and crossed the Red Sea, they think they should never have to learn to swim. Because uh, you're just gonna get a rod and a staff and that's how you need and you know, actually you're gonna drown. Yeah, because it's called a miracle. It's called a miracle, they don't call it a normal. They call it a miracle. And so God has these little miracles that we often call coincidences, but we know they're not coincidences. They're more than that. So last week we talked about how to multiply and increase your coincidences, your divine coincidences. And the first thing we said, we talked about, was accept suffering. Because it's through suffering and difficulty it's where God shows up. The Bible says God is near the brokenhearted. So that scripture is a wonderful promise, but it's also, uh, it's also a warning. It's also a true warning. And what's the warning? The warning is, Your heart's going to get broken in this life. That's the warning in that verse. But the the promise is that God shows up when your heart is broken. So uh, today we're going to talk about another way to multiply God moments, God stories, is to live in the service of others. Live your life in the service of others. Again, God close to the brokenhearted. So if you go spend your life close to the brokenhearted, serving like that great song that George team just sang, then you're going to have more God moments. You're going to have more God stories in your life. Now, this first story I'm going to read to you is written not from the perspective of the, of the one who was in the service of others, but one who was served by someone in the service of others. And it goes like this. It's Jeremy Smith. Jeremy, Jeremy stand up. Everybody know who you are? Jeremy Smith. And... Uh, here it goes. Even as an avid reader and writer, I found reading the Bible to be hard, not understanding it, not finding time in my day to do it faithfully or consistently. I tried talking, taking Pastor Jay's class on how to read the Bible, but let other obligations get in the way, which led to terribly poor attendance. Sorry, Jay. I thought I could supplant reading the Bible with Sunday service, worship, music, podcasts, small group discussions, and fellowship, etc. Boy, was I wrong. It was during... Uh, New Year's Eve, December 2020, I thought a good resolution would be to start reading the Bible. It was Sunday, January 3rd, 2021, and I had yet to crack it open. Amanda and I walked into the 915 service and made our way to the front rows, deciding to change it up and set somewhere new, New Year's, New Year, New, New Year, new us indeed. Pastor John Wiersma settled in next to us during the service. We had occasionally spoken to one another but weren't much more than acquaintances at the time. After service, he out of the blue asked me if I'd like to join a Bible reading plan with him. It was simple. Read a chapter a day, answer the reflection questions via text message. We'd start in Matthew and finish in Acts. I said yes and thought to myself, hey, what a coincidence. I was just saying I wanted to read the Bible more this year. More like a divine coincidence, God set me up for success in reading the Bible daily by nudging Amanda and I up to the front rows of church. By the way, that's a good idea, sit on the front rows. I love front row. I love everybody, but I really especially love front row people. Um, (laughs) uh, The courage to sit on the front row. Amanda and I, up to the front rows of the church that Sunday, encouraging John to ask me to join the Bible reading. Now I'm supplementing my Bible reading with things I was supplanting it with before. What a difference it has made. I read the Bible and reflect, journal every day, and now feel off and unsettled if I miss a day. I've read through the entire New Testament for the first time and have just recently started the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. It's a plan that has stuck with me long after the reflection questions ended. John's plan helped keep me accountable and got me hooked on the Bible. I now know what people mean when they say God's word is powerful. It's transformed and enriched my life in ways I didn't know possible. My behaviors and interests have changed for the better. My prayers have changed, become more focused. My desires have changed. My heart has changed. I've become a much more relational person. Uh, I've be- I have a much more relational relationship with God now and I've become much more dependent on him to guide me I've become more focused on making him the center of all things in my life and seeking his will over mine I'm even memorizing scripture now as a part of a discipleship class a man and I are taking with you guys uh, stand up John so, so people know who you are Yeah, Uh, God's word is truly the greatest gift, and wow, does it pack some power. It's even better when you're reading and sharing reflections and insight with others. Goes to show you you never know what will happen when you sit in the front rows at church. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use a story from the scripture, and I'm just going to read one verse out of the story and try to relay it to you. It's found in Genesis chapter 24, verse 27. Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. A guy named Eliezer is writing this. He's a servant of Abraham, obviously. As for me being on the way, underline that, please. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. Now here's the story. Abraham, the patriarch Abraham, looked around the communities around him. He had moved to Canaan, which is now modern-day Israel. And he had gone 500 miles from home. Haran was his home. He had moved there, and he realized when it was time for Isaac, his only son, to have a wife that he wasn't about to let him marry any of the pagan women that were in the the tribes around him. So he sets his servant down one day, and he says to him, I want you to go back to Haran, and I want you to find from my relatives a wife for Isaac. So, again, it was a 500-mile trip Eliezer was a servant, which means what he's about to do was in the service of another. Not only did it mean he would be in the service of another, but it also meant that, that if Isaac married and had children, Eliezer would not be the one who would inherit Abraham's inheritance, or his children would not inherit it, because the servant would be first in line unless the, the patriarch had children and grandchildren. But now there were going to be children and grandchildren. So he was completely doing something in the service of another. And uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, verse 2, it says, And Abraham said unto his eldest servant in his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. Abraham then proceeds to get Eliezer to make a promise to go find a bride for Isaac. So Eliezer prays then that God will make it clear to him where to go. Now, they didn't have um, Match.com, or Christian Mingle, or Tinder, or any hookup sites in those days. So, uh, you had to walk and meet people in person. And they didn't even have any singles bars in those days. So, it, <laughs> it was tough. So, what, what intrigues me about this story, and I've always loved the verse... Uh, the King James Bible says, while I was in the way, the Lord lead, led, led, led me. And there's something about getting, not in people's way, but getting in the way of progress, getting in the way of doing something for God and others, that God starts leading you. God starts leading you when you start moving. God, God starts leading you when you start serving. When you start getting in, doing something and getting into action, God has a way of start leading you. And so he 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 t- he gets a pack of camels because he's got to have gifts and all these things. It's, it's, it's a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, protocol was involved in in getting a young woman to say, "Would you leave your family and go 500 miles with me, a guy you never met, to marry a guy that you've never met?" <laughs> now some of you thought you took a risk when you walked down the hill. <laughs> so he he goes to 500 miles and his camels are thirsty. And he, he, he gave God, he, he told God this. He said, okay, God, I want you to have the woman who's to be Isaac's wife. I want her to show up at the well that I'm going to find. I'm going to find a well because that's how they had water in those days. I'm going to find a well and I want the woman that you want to be uh, uh, Isaac's wife to show up at the well. And when I say to her, can you give me a drink of water and water for my camels? She's going to say yes. Now, that may not sound like a big deal to you. It may sound like just like being a waitress at, uh, at Applebee's and would you like some water at your table? But camels, if they've been on a long trip and they've been out in the desert like that, a camel, one single camel in one, one gulping a long gulp, can drink 25 gallons of water. So 10 camels. The average pitcher in those days, the archaeologists have dug up pitchers, and the, last, and the average pitcher that they would carry would be of two and a half to 3 gallons. So she had to go down into that well in order to do this. He gave God, see, sometimes we, we, we make things too easy for God. You know, a, a pastor friend of mine said, a young man came to him and said, I'm going to ask this girl to marry me, and I put a fleece before God. Now, some of you don't know what a fleece is. Look it up. I don't have time to explain what a fleece is. It's in the Bible, story of Gideon, at like a fleece. And so I put a fleece before God. A fleece is giving God something very difficult, something that wouldn't normally happen. He said, the fleece I put before God is, if she says yes, I'm supposed to marry her. That's not a very tough examiner. Well, I'm going to, guys in the back, I'm going to skip over that long passage I was going to read about, because I think I've explained the story well enough uh, to, to set it up for you. And anyway, this, he, he, first of all, it's got to be a relative. I, I didn't say that. It's got to be a relative. She's, it's, it's all this stuff. So he, he, there's this young lady named Rebecca who comes out to the well, and it's an uncle, her dad is an uncle of Abraham. Imagine that. Talk about, talk about a needle in a haystack. He walks 500 miles in the middle of the desert and wilderness territory. And a relative of Isaac shows up at the well. And he asks her for a drink and for his camels. And normally she would say no. That was what she was supposed to say. She was supposed to say no. She was supposed to run in terror from somebody who would dare ask her to do that. But she said yes. And not only that, she invited him to her home. And she invited her home. And there, of course, everything worked out. They lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> and you may think, oh, those stories only happen. God, that only happened in the Bible. And see, one of the problems in reading the Bible is we think they only had miracles now we know better we know better but because all those miracles are squeezed into one book we think that they only had miracles that they never got sick and died that they they never had terrible tragedies but but you're not you're not looking properly they I I I believe we're having just as just as much of of a evidence of God today as ever in fact I love the book. You know why I love the book of Acts? You know why I love the book of Acts? I love the book of Acts because it's about the acts of God. And the book of Acts is the only book in the Bible that has no conclusion. You know why the book of Acts has no conclusion? We're still writing it. Jeremy, you wrote it. Maybe you didn't get a whole chapter of that story, but that, you got a, a, a few verses anyway in the book of Acts the acts of God in our contemporary society. And so you might think those things don't happen. Well, let me tell you, and, and, and uh, I'm going to tell you a God story right now. Someone who's sitting here today. Um, Carol, are you out there? Carol Unruh? Where's Carol? Oh, there you are. Hi, stand up, Carol. Everybody see who Carol Carol Unruh comes to Bethany Community Church, a wonderful lady. I've known her for many, many years. And um, she... Used to work for a missionary, an evangelist named David Wins. Now, for some of you who go way back in the the Christian life and the charismatic movement, like myself, and and, uh, I know Donna Barrell back there knows who this is. Uh, David Wins was Derek Prince's grandson. Some of you remember Derek Prince. He was a, I believe, he was a South African wonderful Bible teacher, missionary. So she worked for him and did mailings for him. And uh, her job at this point that she told me the story, or wrote me the story, was to supply 2,000 African pastors with a Bible, a concordance, and a white shirt, a watch, and other materials that they needed for ministry. And this was all done out of in East Providence or Rumford, Rhode Island. So one day... David and his wife, Jean, announced that they were going to Africa to preach. Kenya, Zimbabwe, other countries, preach. They also told the staff that they had, get, had loaned all their money out to pastors who were going to accompany the trip for malaria shots and other things that they needed for the trip. So they had no money for the trip. Now, this is a number of years ago, so the amount of money that I'm going to mention in a moment would, uh, would go a lot further than it would today. And uh, so she, she said that she finished her day's work mailing whatever she did for the ministry. And she goes outside to, uh, to uh, sweep the sidewalk off where they would load the car to get ready to go on the trip. Thinking about this, this problem of no money to go on the trip and how they were going to do it. You see, people, who, who've, been, people who've been following the Lord for a long time, you'll notice something weird about them is they go ahead as though they have the funds and the supplies when they don't. Because you get so used to God showing up that you just go ahead because what's the sweat? You got God, so it's just going to be a God story. So you go and you start to move ahead. Every once in a while, it doesn't work out. God has a different plan. It doesn't work out. You'd be surprised how often it does work out. So anyway, she's sweeping off the sidewalk, getting ready, and she's thinking about... The, 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 the no money for the trip and she looks over and there's an old rusty mailbox that they didn't use and no one used anymore and she, she felt God drawing her to that mailbox an old rusty, you know, falling out the building, no good and she said God spoke to her and, and, and to go check that mailbox and she said to God no one would put mail in that mailbox and, see, and here's what she said God said to her, and I can't question it, and I, I know God said it because it's true. And God had to say this because it's true. She said that God said to her, "No woman would, but a man would <laughs> <laughs> I told my wife that boy she agreed so wholeheartedly. <laughs> Sure enough, you're already ahead of me, right? In the story. She goes over to the mailbox. There's three letters in that mailbox. I'm sure they were all from men, right? One of them had a check for $1,000 in the mailbox. That is what I call a God story. You see, there there are two things that being in the service of others makes you more prone to God stories in your life. Uh, One is uh, what I've already mentioned. God moves where there is need. God moves where there is need. Jesus was constantly moved with compassion. Uh, look, Look at Genesis 1. It said the earth was without form and void. And what's the next line? God moved on the face of the waters. God moves where there's mess. God moves where there are problems, where there's suffering, where there's hurt, where, there's, where things are dirty. That's what Sherry's really talking about. She's inviting you when she talks about coming to serve day. She's inviting you to have a, have, have a God moment, a God story in your life because you're moving, you're moving into the presence of God. You're moving into the glory of God. You, you know what glory is? Everybody knows what glory is. If you think of athletic contest, it's when that great Player has that moment when they hit that home run, and the, when when they have that David Ortiz moment when they hit that home run that wins the game, or they catch that they catch that pass, or they break through the line, or they intercept that pass. If it's if it's football, what do you say? They they are in their glory because they stepped into a moment of difficulty and showed their ability. And that's what God is. If you really want to be close to God, live in the wonder of God, you have to be willing to live in the service of others because that's puts you in those moments where you are making demands. Listen to me. You're making demands on the power of God. Because you go beyond your own limit all the time. When you really are serving others, you're going beyond your own limit. You walk into situations where people are brokenhearted and people are in a mess, and you don't know what to say. That's a good moment because that's a God moment when you don't know what to say. You, you want you start to minister to someone and God speaks to you to give them a sum of money that means you're not going to have enough money to do something you plan to do because God has taken you past your limit. God always want to take you takes you past your limit so you can discover that he is unlimited. Amen So let me give you Three things about living in the service of others. Living in the service of others will will cause you, number one, to need God. All evidence suggests that God is looking for people who create stories that need him to complete them. Eliezer accepted an assignment that needed God in order to complete it. There's no way he's going to complete this assignment. He's not going to end up at the right place. He's not going to end up at the right house. He's not going to find a, a woman who's willing to draw water for 25 camels or 10 camels at 25 gallons of pop. He's not going to find, she's not going to be willing to go with him. Everything about the story required God. He didn't, have, he didn't have a cell phone or he didn't have a GPS. He didn't have any of the technological tools that we have today. But it worked because, because it, the God factor. That's why it worked. God loves it when your story makes demands on his power. You see, a, you, we all know what a good story is, a good story. Has a character who wants or needs something. Number one, good story. It has a character in it. Got any school teachers here? who you, you, Lisa, you're not in. What, what are the elements of a good story? Let's see if it matches from what I have in my notes. What are the elements of a good story? At least as a high school school teacher. Um, yeah, it has has to have a climax. But what's in what's what's in the beginning? What's before that? It it has to have. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Uh, it has to have a plot, which is the cause and effect sequence. This happened, so this happened. He left, he left uh, Canaan and walked to Haran, and his camels were thirsty. And the, the drama is building; you can feel it. It has to have a setting or a context. Eliezer is in the service of another, and he's in the wilderness, and he travels 500 miles with a pack of camels that required water. And then, here's the part. That you wait for when you go to the movies. You would not go back to a movie that didn't have this. How many of you saw Top Gun? The latest Top Gun? You know I I knew I knew that what's his face there? What's his name? I couldn't die. I knew he couldn't die. Maverick. Maverick. I knew that Maverick couldn't die. But uh, the tension was he was gonna die. The tension was that they had to make that flight into that treacherous place and He needed to go on that flight, and all the oh, he's got to go, but but he's not supposed to go, and they're not going to let him go, and you just you know you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time, and it's wonderful because because a good story requires tension, attention. It requires a crisis that requires a hero, and guess what? If you live life in the service of others like you're supposed to. You ain't going to be the hero. God is. You ain't going to be the hero. God's going to be the hero. If you truly live in the service of others, the hero will not be you. Moses in the parting of the Red Sea, God was the hero. Joseph in the famine in Egypt. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Stories you may or may not be familiar with, but I hope you'll get familiar. If you'll get, talk to Jeremy and... And, and what's his name back there? Where's my... I, mean, I get... <laughs> reading the Bible and you'll know these stories. Jesus and my sin. The cross. What a moment. Oh man, that, that, that's a story full of tension. That's a story full of tension. Is Jesus going to die on the cross? And then is he? if he dies, is he going to come back from the dead? Oh no. He's dead. He's alive. <laughs> I love Psalms 107. I love this verse. I just I'm, i force this verse into the into the message just because I love it so much. <laughs> Psalms 107 23 Those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, those who try things, those who those who take a chance, take a risk, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the storms and wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Did you know that verse is in the Bible? How many knew that verse is in the Bible? At their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. Hallelujah. Isn't that a great verse? Gonna, you need to write that verse down, man. Put, text that, I text stuff to myself now, so I would text that verse to yourself right now. Or, or you download the app. It's in the app. There's an app for that, right? Living in the service of others also will open up God's world to you there's everything right about being a good manager of your personal life ones your immediate nuclear family your children's education your house your yard your vehicles your retirement your vacations your travel your education but one of the saddest things in the world to me is to be a person who achieves at least some semblance of the American dream, and then thinks, that's all I'm here for. That's all there is. Sure, you may have a God story about how God intervened to get your child into Brown or, or Northeastern. <laughs> but Frederick Buechner said vocation or calling is that place where our deep gladness, our deep joy meets the world's deep hunger. St. Irenaeus said a person fully alive is the glory of God. There's a great biblical story of a boy named Samuel who was left at the temple by his mother and father. I've thought about that a lot and through no choice of his own he was left off there after he was weaned. Uh, A young boy, uh, elementary aged boy apparently. He was left there to live his life in the service of God. I'm guessing that he might have felt a bit bewildered and confused by this arrangement. I imagine he wanted his mommy. However, one night in the middle of the night, the, he heard a voice calling him and he was confused. The Bible says he had never heard from God before. He had never had a God moment. He, had never, he didn't have a God story. And so he goes to the priest Eli and explained to him, I keep hearing a voice. I keep, what is it? And he said, well, go back and next time say... Speak, Lord, your servant hears. And when this little boy, in this stressful situation, strange situation, said those words, he had a God story because God laid out for him, this little boy, the whole plan for Israel. Everything that was going to happen, some of it was tragic, but how God was going to lead him, and he became the great prophet Samuel later There's a world beyond you that God is doing amazing things in, but until you take that 500 mile walk with a pack of camels in the service of another, until you give all your money away to the poor or something like that, uh, to to some poor Africans who are in need, there are miraculous displays of grace you'll never experience. Number three, living in the service of others will cause you to truly experience the joy of the Lord. Isn't it funny? We, we talk about the joy of the Lord. But it's, we're usually thinking about our joy. <laughs> I was thinking the other day, I, I think the joy of the Lord has something to do with God being happy. <laughs> I think when the Bible says, it, 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 Nehemiah 8.10, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength, means delighting God. Delighting God. And that doesn't mean you don't get to be happy. Or no, not at all. There's there's a lot of scriptures about you having happiness as well. But this particular verse, I believe, is talking about a person who lives for God's delight. And you understand that. And that is so empowering when you live for God's delight. How could I possibly experience the joy of the Lord if it's only about me and my happiness? I promised you an angel story, so I'm going to close with it. Uh, Touched by an Angel was a very popular television show that went from about nine years, I think 1994 or so, till 2003, and uh, starring uh, Roma Downey and uh, Della Reese and others. Um, and uh, uh, as, as many of you probably know, Roma Downey has, uh, uh, has continued to has, is a professing Christian and has made movies, and, and Christian movies, and, and, and different things, and she um, seems to be a wonderful person. Well, back when she was making the show, she would regularly visit hospitals, children's hospitals, and uh, like a lot of celebrities do, and one day she went to the uh, Children's Award, uh, I think it was probably in Salt Lake City, Utah, that's where the show was filmed, Uh, But it might have been in Los Angeles. But anyway, she went to a um, a children's ward and she saw down the hall a grieving mother. Tears, you know, obviously. Behind the mother she could see the body of a child. So she knew what had transpired. So the woman looks up and sees Roma Downey coming down the hall. And she stopped crying and started smiling. And she comes toward her and they meet. And she says to Roma Downey, I prayed that God would send me an angel. And here you are. And Roma Downey felt conflicted. She stopped, of course. She did what she hugged. She prayed with her. She went outside the hospital and she called her friend, Della Reese, on the phone. And she said, Della Reese, I want to tell you what just happened. She said, I feel like such. A fraud. I saw this woman in the hospital and told her the story and the woman believed that God sent me to her and that I am an angel and she believes that God sent me and Dollar Reese said well what makes you think he didn't. <laughs> when you live in the press service of others you're letting God channel his grace through you. And when you orient your life in that way, there's just no way your life won't be a series of God stories. I've told you a lot of my God stories. I've told you about the different people, especially in uh, my experience with medical profession in the last seven, eight years. I've, I've met so many angels, so many people who were in the service of God and many of them knew that many of them were believers, you know. Experience things that we're not exactly living in the Bible Belt here, guys. I mean, I, I've I've lived in the Bible Belt, so I know the difference. And uh, I know one day I had a particular test, and boy, I was nervous about this test. And uh, if I'd have known what what it was going to be, I would have been a lot more nervous, because <laughs> I th- I thought it was going to be, you know, it was an MRI. But the usually MRI, you're in there for, you know, you're getting that tube, which is not fun, but you're in there for a very short period of time, usually. And I get there, and uh, the guy gave me a ride, and when, sh- when should he pick me up? I just go, well, you're going to be in the MRI machine for 45 minutes. I said, what? you got to be kidding me. And it was a very unpleasant task. I won't give you any more details. It would be TMI. <laughs> And I am just like, oh, man, God, you got to help me. I don't have strength for this. And I sit down, and this woman, the, this nurse, there goes, you, you've, you've, all you MRI people, I mean, you young people won't know anything about what I'm talking about but, unless you've had a, a car accident or something. But th- they always ask you, what kind of music do you like? Because they give you headphones, right? And you listen to music in there. So, what kind of music do you like? Well, I like, I like Christian music and uh got any of that she said yeah how about Bethel music that's what they play at my church <laughs> and literally that nurse went into the thing and she literally held my hands and prayed for me during this procedure now if that would have been in like McKinney Texas I would have expected it but Boston Massachusetts you just don't expect it right and I no offense, anybody watching my live streams, he's criticizing Boston. He's criticizing New England. He thinks we're a bunch of pagans. Well, I, no, I didn't say that. You're just not just not a bunch of Bible thumpers around here, okay? Who <laughs> you hold your hands and pray with you, you know? There's not a lot of that. Boy, I've had so many of those God moments. I, 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 I wouldn't trade, you know, I wouldn't trade the experience for, you know, you'd like not to have the suffering, but boy, sometimes it just seems like, God, I think it's worth it to meet the reality of God and to know that God is real. And I, I, you, know, you know I'm big on apologetics and I'm always trying to prove there's a God in it. and I've got the seven different arguments lined up. Well, I, now I have an eighth one and that is God stories. The coincidences that just can't be coincidences that happen to every life. Now, here's what the Bible says about you if you will live in the service of others. Here's what the Bible says. Here's your promise. If you keep my commands and remain in my love. There's a lot more, a lot of stuff in that passage that we won't unpack. Just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wow! So that your joy may be complete. Yes. You live for the delight of God and makes God happy. But God says if you will if you will keep my commands and you will remain in my love. But we got to read the rest of it. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. God said if you will do that, it will make me happy, but it will also make your joy complete. Listen, the best is yet to come for God's people.
1: Let's stand in this room. Um, You know, this this sermon for me this weekend is really well timed. Um, This year, my husband and I, we our good friends of Ward and Stephanie Wetherill, and they we've watched them. They got their foster care license, and we've watched them in the process, and we made the decision to get our license. And this week, we have a couple little boys that are with us for the weekend for respite care. And I'm listening to um, this message and thinking about in my own life, just the the power of saying yes to the next thing that God is prompting you to do. And we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We have we said yes, we got our license. We did respite care for their little boy. We said yes to take these little boys for this weekend. And there's something, it's maybe it's foster care, maybe it's not, maybe it's something else in your life, but maybe there is a simple thing or a big thing that God is putting in front of you that is just walk through that door. Just take the phone call, make the phone call, and say yes. And and living in service of someone else. And I will tell you, last night we had the two boys. We had another one of my son's friend. We had my daughter's friend. I had ten kids and five dogs in my house last night. <laughs> and you know that is that is for sure beyond my limit. And God is limitless. It was fine. Everybody ate and went to bed at a reasonable time. My I can clean my house later it's fine but let, let's just take a minute in this room and i'm not saying any of those things my husband and i are we're far from perfect we're far from selfless people um but there is always an opportunity in your life that God is giving you to join him in serving others, to join him in what he's doing. And um, I, and you probably saw, I could not make it through that song this morning because that line that what he calls a treasure, this world calls a curse. And there are, there are things going on in the world around you, that the world is calling it a curse. And God is saying to you, that's my treasure. Get involved, serve, help. There's people in in the nursing home that need you to come visit them. There are people in hospitals that need help. There are people who are homebound who you, you can go and buy their groceries. There are things that you can do to live your life in the service of others that, that will connect you with what God is doing. And, it, and if you're in this room today, you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with mental health issues, I respect and believe in mental health um, as a medical practice and, and counseling and what we have. But also try saying yes to something that's for someone else serve someone else, volunteer, get involved, and see what God can begin to do. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much that your kingdom is simple. We thank you, God, that, that you have showed us the way. You sent your son to this earth to live as a human, to show us how to live in service of others, and God, if we get busy about your business, just like Jesus said that he's about his father's business, that you are about us, you're for us, and you have a plan for all of our needs and so much more. God, for that person in this room today who is working so hard to get something that you are not giving them, that, that is not your plan, that they're striving to make something happen that's not for them. God, I pray for that person in this room today, that you would just speak to their heart today and say, say yes to my simple thing I'm asking you to do. Stop making your life so complicated. Thank you, God, that you're with us every step of the way, whatever you ask us to do, meeting our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.